Welcome back to another episode, episode 30, Talking Comics with James. We get into the Falcon and Winter Soldier, episode 5. This was a pretty heavy-hitting episode if you watched it. Spoiler alerts for the podcast you're about to listen to. We talk about everything. And a lot of that everything is very sensitive uh, for some uh, topics in relation to um, real life and kind of how comics and just art in general imitates life. So, uh, hope you enjoy it. Stay tuned and don't forget to visit us on the Facebook page and let us know what you think. And welcome back to today's show. We got James back in the studio. A regular occurring thing now, it seems like. Let's uh let's talk about this latest episode, James. Falcon, Winter Soldier. Um it got pretty deep and heavy, yeah. Yeah, so uh what up Podland? Uh yeah, I I mean, you know, Marvel just kinda keeps uh surprising us. I definitely was not Expecting Marvel to dip their toes into all this stuff. I mean, it's definitely not Mickey Mouse stuff. So, yeah. Um, so, you know, spoiler alerts if you haven't watched Falcon Winter Soldier. Um, I guess we should say that people get mad when you start talking about stuff, <laughs> right? Even though, yeah. it's, even though it's titled uh, something <laughs> Falcon Winter Soldier Episode Five, right? So, hey, spoiler alerts, nerds. Um, so yeah, so you know, to kick off the episode. We picked it up uh, after the new Captain America uh, finished killing old dude in the public, and um, that was that was something else, huh? I think we'll just touch on that a little bit, a little recap. Like he like straight up bloody dude out there in the middle of the street, in the middle of the square. Yeah, he marked that dude, and uh, it's funny because a lot of the. Uh, Things that that happened in this show, especially with uh, with the new Captain America, we'll say, kind of mirror the things that have happened with Steve or other characters in previous shows. So if you remember the Civil War, kind of how uh, Bucky and Steve and Tony all fought, and then they had the three way fight in the show, and yep. you know, there's a point in the fight where Steve basically kind of stood over Tony with his shield up and, you know, he could have made that decision, but you know, yeah. he didn't. And then they mirrored that with, uh, you know, John Walker <laughs> going full on uh gangster on, on that dude. So, you know, it's, it's, and I keep saying it right. And I sound like a stand, but it's, it's like the little stuff, right. That Marvel does that just gives that extra bit of flavor. Yeah to their like world that, you know, again, back to DC, they just don't have that connected tissue. It's just night and day. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we kicked it off with that. And then, um, so this episode picks up and, uh, they want to fight, you know, uh, Bucky and, and Falcon, Sam Wilson, follow him in. And, um, you should be able to see my screen now, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And all right. And, uh, and, and they want that damn, they want the damn shield back. 
And you know, th- there's a big thing throughout this whole show about uh, should shouldn't have given up the shield. Uh, is that part of the comic like narrative too? When when Falcon Sam Wilson is becoming uh, Captain America, or is this more of a show thing? Uh, well, in the comics, uh, Steve has died or retired a few times, and uh, they've had replacements over the years. And uh, actually, in the comics, Bucky did become Captain America for a little while, as did Sam. And then there was kind of a, I guess not not a con- contest, but kind of a kind of a you know uh, an exploration of what it means to be Captain America and, you know, does the shield make, make Captain America. And all. They, they, so they explore the themes in the mm-hmm. comics. Okay. Cause okay. even though the movies are now leading the comics, like this is kind of like old stuff. So they're taking a cue from there and then, you know, they're kind of tweaking and peeking it a little bit for their own purposes. But yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a, uh... I think I said this last time, but you could definitely see, or I see at least like a lot of the, um, it looks like the some of the first things they're touching on with this new Captain America is like his PTSD. You know, uh, in the previous episodes, they talked about his three Medal of Honors and all that. And we touched on that a little bit. But like you can see this, like the PTSD that they're trying to explain for his actions, kind of. You know what I mean? And at least that's what I think. Instead, instead of giving it a simple, this dude's fucking not a good dude. You know what I mean? They're trying to be like, uh, well, you know, it's the wars that have turned him this way. Do you feel that? Or or do you think it's just, uh, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. Well, to me, I think this whole series is just a commentary on how exceptional Steve was. Okay. Because if you remember his origin, at least in the movies, you know, he was just basically a little runt and, you know, Bucky had to basically fight all his battles for him, right? But he never had that, you know, he, he didn't quit. He, you know, always looked out for people. It just, you know, he was just an extraordinarily good person, yeah, right? In a time where it required really good people. And even though he was a good person and, and you know, was all about, you know, the country and doing this out of whatever he still existed in a time of, you know, racism and sexism and all this other stuff. So yeah. he, and, and that's, you know, kind of just, you know, with America speaking about America in general, I mean, the country has been involved in, we'll say a lot of shenanigans over the years. And usually we're on the right side of things, but then again, domestically, I mean, how do you reconcile what we have going on back at home? Right. So yeah. it, it just, it's a, you know, again, it just takes an extraordinary person to kind of take all that and then take the burden of being Captain America. But then again, you know, the privilege that Steve had is that kind of like showing with, with, uh, with Sam, there's certain things that he didn't have to deal with. Right. Because right. Of, yeah, who he was. Yeah. So, if you look at it, kind of, and not like like kind of outside of the comics, you know, John Walker, by all accounts and purposes, is a national hero. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you don't you don't just 
you know, wake up one day with three, you know, Medal of Honors or or whatever he's got. Yeah. So he's well qualified. Bucky was well qualified to, you know, quote unquote be Captain America. Sam's a veteran and, you know, worked with the Avengers to save the world. So these are three capable people who uh have impressive resumes, but all of them in their own way are struggling to basically fill Steve's shoes for personal reasons or whatever. And, you know, it's kind of like and we use like sports as, as kind of the reference, right? So, you know, if, if you're coming to the Bulls after Michael Jordan, I mean, mm. it's a little rough. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> I mean, it, this just shows you, again, like I said, what Steve was. And, uh, you know, people have fallen short or, you know, having personal issues with it or what have you. So, Will there ever be someone who perfectly fits the role of the idealized Captain America? Maybe not. I mean, Sam is a good dude, and you know he will probably be his own Captain America, but it will never be what Steve was. Right. So. Yeah, you know, in this part that we're watching, you know, he he went for the the shield bash again on Sam, and uh, you know, many many are saying interpreting that scene as like uh, when he rips the wings off, kind of a you know, Falcons no more, right? He, his, his wings have been clipped and, uh, kind of leading to the transition of what he is to come. You know, something that, uh, what was interesting out, I, I hate repeating other stuff on my set on episodes, but when, uh, John Walker here, uh, previously had said, or, or, uh, Lamar Battlestar had said, you know, the power that he has now is only amplifying what he is. Right, Steve Rogers was naturally a good dude. That's what the doctor uh, was. Doctor Erskine ha- had thought. That's why they picked him. It, it didn't have anything well, he, to do. We'll see. This thing, Steve wasn't just a good dude. He was an he was an extraordinary person, right? Because you remember, you know, Doctor er- Erskine said that it amplifies whatever's inside. Right. Right. So if you are damaged, like again, John in a vacuum was a good person. Yeah, but he's damaged. Yeah. So that damage was amplified. Bucky, by all accounting purposes, would be a good person, but he's damaged. He's got all that other stuff going on. Yeah. You know, so And then Sam Sam just, I mean well Sam he he's not for He's not some, necessarily damaged, but right. you know, he's there's baggage and weight. Baggage, yeah. And and, and that based weight off, we find out in this episode based really. Off, you know, his background and ethnicity with the with the the you know with basically American it's and it's kind of speaking for you know all kind of minority yeah you know members of the military because we all have to reconcile you know our our military service with you know the history of the country. Yes. And we all do it in our own way. But you know it it, it it's a little rough sometimes. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. So yeah. Um, you know, so in, in the comics, does uh does Sam Wilson when he when he does become Captain America or anything, does he actually ever take serum, like some kind of super soldier serum, or is it just him kind of natural gifts and that, that's it? No, he never takes a quote unquote serum, but in the comics, Sam is a little bit enhanced. He's got low level powers and stuff. So he's never 
been a super soldier, but he's technically not your average guy. Enhanced, like from what, like mutant, like genetic enhanced, or well, in the in in the comics at least, mutants are born with their powers, yeah. and then they are mutates. So Spider Man would be a mutate, basically right. normal people that have been augmented. We'll say. So he uh, he basically has a telepathic link with uh, with Red Wing, and in Red Wing in the comics is the actual bird. So. Okay. Okay, so the, this they just took it more of the technical route, and you've touched on this Torres before the Air Force guy. So, like, who you know, you you touched on saying watch out for him. So he he shows up in a comic as who doing what? Well, he basically becomes like the second Falcon. He uh, he gets mutated into being like half bird. We'll say oh. so. He somewhat looks like Falcon with the wings and stuff, but he's a younger guy, and you know he's kind of part of that whole like Young Avengers world. So, oh, okay, yeah. So again, so they, so- they kind of completely flipped his character, which which is fine. I mean, nobody outside of the hardcore fans even knows who this guy is. So. But there's still potential there because we're seeing a lot. Like we've t- talked about before, we're seeing a lot of little uh, crumbs. To like a young Avengers, well, I mean, or new again, Avengers. you can kind of tell what they're doing, right? So basically, they're going to have like their the adults in the room, the A list guys, and now they're coming up with their bench, which is going to be the young Avengers. So again, we don't know what they're going to do, but they at least have potential if they want to go there. So yeah. that's good. Yeah, then we got a uh, old John Walker and, going to court, and you so. know. <clears throat> Just you know, kind of circle back to Torres. Yeah, you know, Marvel is making an active effort to try to you know be as diverse as possible. So again, Torres, a Latino you know character, trying you know, so that's there if they want it. So yeah, they got hit on those markets. You know, um, well, it, well, the thing is, it's not. Again, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's still a business, right? And they still need to do what they need to do, but. It's a good it, it's a good faith effort on their part as well because if you actually read the comics and you know a lot of stuff that's going on uh, with Marvel there they're really trying to kind of make it an effort to expand outside the norm like with artists and writers and you know stuff like that so it's it's a company wide initiative which is you know being mirrored in their movies which is you know a good thing yeah no definitely. Um... I think it just opens besides the business aspect, it's just going to open up a lot. And I think that, you know, it started with black Panther, obviously, right. Um, black Panther, when they dropped that what, two years ago now, three years ago, it was huge. It, it killed the box office. It did better than all the other movies, except for maybe like a, the, uh, what do you call it? Avengers not in game, but the, the other one, right. And, uh, it, it just smashed it. And it, it was, a lot of it was because they're going to, you know, expanding the market. But also, I, th- you know, I think Black Panther is one of the better Marvel movies. Um, well, I mean, it, it just goes to show you that they take steps. So, yeah. you know, if comic book movies were ever taken seriously and given the care that you know other genres were, Marvel has shown they can be profitable. Now they're showing that hey, you know, diversity 
where it's not just pandering to people yeah. where it actually yeah. makes sense can be profitable. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, that's what it all comes down to. And, you know, if stuff's done well, then people react. So, yeah. No, yeah, that that's that's absolutely right. Okay, so in this scene we have old Julia Louis Louis Dreyfus Dreyfus show up, right? And this threw me for a loop right here because I was like, "What the fuck is she doing?" This Veep chick, you know, sign of hell. I was like, I was totally lost with this, especially when she's introducing herself. Um, yeah, yeah who, who well, is this? You know, Fontana, Julia, Julia Fontana, Louis. Banana. <laughs> well, Julia Louis Dreyfus is a is a veteran to the entertainment world. She uh, first got started in kind of big break back on Saturday Night Live back in the seventies. Oh shit! And she's really funny. So yeah. she's she's really really funny. If you ever watch Veep or any of her other stuff, she she uh, she's she's a really good actress. And uh, you know, outside her comedic role, she's actually done some dramatic stuff that's been uh, well received. So when you hire her, basically you're saying. You're looking for someone with range. Like she can do this comedic kind of, you know, quippy stuff, or she yeah. can, you know, turn pretty quickly. And that's kind of what she did is Veep. Like, you know, there are serious moments in the show as well. But uh, I mean, yeah, that I, I mean, I yeah, I kind of t- try to stay up on uh kind of the comic news and stuff in the movie news, but I had not heard anything about her being in the show, so it was I was pretty surprised as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I watch I watch the you know all the other YouTube channels that do the the recaps and everything like this, and I I had nothing uh, uh, on her at all, and then she just popped up. And I don't know her that well. I just you know Seinfeld and Veep. I know she's been around a long time, and she's a big name. And so when she popped up there as this, uh, what's her name? Was who she playing? Okay, it's like uh, <laughs> man, so, <laughs> long okay, name. Yeah. yeah, Contesta Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. Like, boy, she is uh, definitely some kind of was that Latin or something? You know, she's looking Italian. Um, but yeah, so who who is she? Because I've been reading, you know, some stuff, watching some stuff, and they're saying she she could be this uh, Lady Hydra or something like that. Can you can you take us into that into the comic world of her uh, yeah. character? Okay, so the character she plays is kind of uh, has a long history. So, kind of in a nutshell, without getting into being here for thirty minutes, if you remember, kind of how Maria Hill was to uh, Nick Fury in the Marvel movies, yeah, kind of like his right hand woman. Well, that basically was kind of her role. Uh, in the comics, she had been also a love interest of uh, Nick Fury. Oh, okay, she had been like a a triple agent, double agent kind of deal. So she's kind of like in that spy world. Um, she's she's a player in that world. We'll okay. say basically, okay. and uh, kind of depending on how they want to take the character, she can kind of go a lot of different ways. She could be a straight up villain. Or again, she could be a double agent. She, uh, you know, some people are theorizing that she might be leading like a new version of Hydra. I mean, just depends on what they want to do. Is, but you don't hire an actress like her of her caliber to be no just for like you know yeah. a small little role. Yeah, so. yeah, that's what uh, that's what I thought when I seen her. Right. So as soon as she popped in, 
I started thinking, you know, I, I went and found out who she was, and then I was thinking, okay, well, could she be also the power broker? Because we're still waiting for that reveal, and I think there's only one more episode of the of the show uh, for this season one. So, you know, we expect. Excuse me. We expect. Yeah, I mean, she 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 could be could have a connection. I mean, just again, I don't know. However, they want to do it. Do, do you think it'd be uh What do you think would be more uh, catchy to have uh, old Sharon Carter, Sharon Carter, right? Um, show up as a power broker and be playing like both sides through the show, or do you think it'd be better to see a, a Val Fontaine Contesta to be the power broker, or to have both? And now you have these two because I can see that too, having two women uh, villains, so to say, or, or you know, uh, anti-hero people, you know, villains. Uh, jumping into the mix and fleshing those out and building those characters up. I mean, when you're dealing with people who are quote unquote spies and that whole world, you know, you never know who's doing what. I mean, you got right. double agent, like all that stuff. So again, they can go flip it any way they want, but you know how, if I, mean, if I had my, my choice, I would have it be a, a different character entirely. Uh, I mean, I, I just think that Sharon Carter, even though they're making it look suspicious, I think she's basically trying to clear her name and trying to work this case by herself and then try and get back in the good graces. Because okay. I don't think that they would try and make her an evil character or whatever. It just doesn't, I mean, again, in my mind, it doesn't, doesn't jive. And then this new uh, Contessa, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Just... I don't know enough about her in the in the in the in the show, so I don't know. I think it'd be really cool if they took that uh, former lover of Nick Fury and, and brought that in somehow, because obviously she has the the acting skills to you know, like most of these characters, to go big screen, right? So I would definitely like to see if if they went from the show to back to the big screen whenever uh, Nick Fury comes back in in line with the 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 theater features, right? The movies. And she pops up somewhere in there, like, "Oh, hey, boo," and and Nick Fury's motherfucker, you know. <laughs> I think that'd be pretty dope. Yeah, whenever they introduce characters with long histories, I mean, they can kind of play it however they want. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, just like I said, knowing the movie business, you don't hire someone of her caliber just to yeah be insignificant. So yeah, there's got to be something there. And now we jump to Zemo over here back in Sokovia. And, uh, you know, he gets taken off to Wakanda, probably, you know, to some kind of Wakanda jail. Yeah, I, I thought they were going to do more with him. And maybe in the future they will, but I didn't think he was just going to be there for, like, what, the two-episode run and disappear only to be caught so easily. I, I definitely was thinking he was going to escape and go start doing more villain shit. Well, if you... If you caught it, even though the Dora Milaje uh, basically picked him up, they didn't take him to Wakanda. They were taking him to the raft where, uh, you know, Ant-Man and, and Hawkeye and stuff were imprisoned after the Civil War, which was kind of weird to me. I don't know why they wouldn't take him back to Wakanda, but yeah, something's kind of weird there. So I didn't catch he, that. Like like in the, uh, in the world of, of the movies or the MCU, 
you know, Zemo breaking out of Wakanda probably would not happen. So if he's yeah. somewhere else, I mean, there's a possibility of him breaking out because in the comics, he goes on to uh, lead the Thunderbolts, basically super villains that pose as heroes trying to take over the world that way. So I know, I mean, in the MCU, his whole thing is he doesn't want superheroes. So yeah. they're not done with him yet. He's, okay. he, he's a major player in the comics. So he, again, he's and his, uh, you know, in the entertainment world, the actor, his, his, uh, his star is kind of on the rise. So, but Marvel usually does take kind of talent that hasn't reached its, uh, apex yet or or people with potential and then you know kind of obviously pumps them up yeah so they're not done with him yet so don't don't say goodbye to zemo just yet yeah i want some more club more club bangers coming out of him (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, so i i think them introducing more of the doors of melage into this uh was super cool too i think i touched on that before but i just i I thought that was awesome you know expanding their role showing more of their capabilities as we saw them kick ass last episode all that all right so here here's where it gets heavy right well Well, just to touch back on that again kind of kind of like with steve you know this little small group of door melage if they're that badass how badass is Okoye if she leads them? Yeah. Yeah. And then how badass is Black Panther if he leads them? So that, again, this kind of indirectly shows how badass like Wakanda is. Yeah. So theoretically, kind of like showed a Black Panther, they could take over the world if they really wanted to, if they pressed the issue. Right. Exactly what it's, uh, it's just by their good grace that they don't do that. Exactly what Killmonger. I guess you could tie this into kind of like the the uh, Black Panther Killmonger trying to take over Wakanda and then send out uh, Wakandians or whatever, you know, to get back what was taken from his people for all the hundreds of years, right? I mean, you, you, you tie that in somehow. I think it well, speaks to it, the it same kind of thing. It kind of all gets back to, like you said, the main, the main, keeping the main thing the main thing, right? Let's call it Duck a Duck. But I'll turn this episode at least into a political thing. Right. The African diaspora throughout the world has been fucked over. Just call it duck and duck. Yeah. And if there was a mother country somewhere that basically was a military badass, Mm -hmm. you know, why didn't they do something about that? Right. Right. So now you're seeing the ramifications of that. Okay. Well, there were, you know, black people in America and they were shit on. Obviously, for hundreds of years, but for this, you know, ep- like series sake, the one that kind of got shit on was was uh, Isaiah Bradley. So it, yeah. just show, it just goes to show you, like, not the exact same thing, but like the theme is still kind of yeah, it's still there, there, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that the you know the Black Panther, Killmonger, you know the Wakanda, you know, slight connection there of. You know, Killmonger was right. It, it, the, all this military power of Wakanda could have done something the whole time, but they had chosen not to and just stay secret and and not take that fight for themselves. But then again, that's also a commentary on uh, isolationism because, you know, America, you know, wasn't going to get into World War Two. It was Pearl Harbor that really dragged us in full bore. Yeah. So what would happen if we would remain isolationists and 
you know, the Third Reich would have conquered Europe and, you know, eventually they probably would have came for us. You know, Japan would have probably took uh, took over most of Asia. So and then it probably would have been too late. So, yeah, you know, isolationism is not necessarily a good thing. Yeah, definitely. And then you get into uh, The Last Castle. You ever seen that show? Man in the High Castle? Yeah, Man in the High Castle. Uh, I haven't seen a show. Uh, I've kind of read up on it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of a what if yeah. else worlds kind of deal. Yeah, that's what happens is is uh, we don't get involved or we lose. And um, pretty much they split America. And uh, Empire of Japan gets the West Coast going up to, like, you know, whatever, the Rockies or the Mississippi River or something. And, and, and Nazi Germany takes over the East Coast. And I've seen some of it anyways. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you're right. So the, all right, well, here we get into, um, Sam visiting Isaiah again and, and you know, this, man, this is like deep and heavy right here. Right. And, uh, as shit that Isaiah Bradley's just driving, I don't know who this actor is, but he did a damn good job in, in playing this role on so many levels, right. Of that, that, you know, the old man that's been through it, that's seen it, that isn't naive to to what's really happening anymore. You know what I mean? And and this this character is out there in real life in a lot of places, um, especially, you know, veterans that have, you know, played this character in real life. You know what I mean? And, and when he says this, you know, I used to be like you until he, until he opened up his eyes. That's real. You know, that's a that shit that really hits. Um, for a lot of people, yeah, I don't, I, I shit, that that's me speaking on the outside of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, well, number one, just the actor itself. He's, I don't know the guy. He's a character actor, uh, he, and he's really good. He's been in obviously quite a few TV shows and movies. The one that kind of stood out to me is he was, uh, he was in The Shining, and then uh, Doctor Sleep as well. He kind of. Uh, I forget the guy's name, but he mentored the main, the little boy who turned out to be played by Ewan McGregor and Dr. Sleep. But anyway, he's, he's, he's a good actor. So uh, okay. he always adds a lot of flavor to whatever he's in. But, uh, you know, for the series, you know, this little exchange is, uh, I mean, you know, it's just, it's real. Like I told, like, like I said at the beginning, I mean, every person of color has to, you know, reconcile their service, you know, yeah, with, uh, the history of the country. I mean, you think about it, not just black people. Think about the Native American, the wind talkers. Mm-hmm. How do yep. they feel about that? Yeah. You know, they help, you know, win the war using their Navajo language as, you know, code talkers and stuff. And yeah. you, you know what happens to them. I mean, Latino soldiers, you know, came back uh, to L.A. and got stomped out during the zoot suit riots. I mean, you know, Asian Americans, specifically Japanese Americans were put in internment camps. And yeah, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. So, yeah, no, man. Um, those are all, you hit a lot of things that people don't know about or people forget about, or people don't, um, don't recognize that it's for a lot of different people. Right. And, and, you know, go through, go back in time and, and, and figure it out in some way you've probably been affected if you are part of the minority that isn't like he said uh uh blonde hair blue eyed red white and blue you know what i mean 
And um, like I said, this whole exchange right here is just heavy. You know, he, like, like I said, whoever he is, he does a damn good job of, of portraying that part uh, very nicely. And, and it's interesting watching Sam, like, listen to it, right? Because, you know, that one part, he's like, man, I'm from the South. I, I get this and that. But it's like it doesn't that doesn't necessarily matter where you're from exactly. Right. That you have this uh, surface understanding or or maybe a deeper understanding. You know what I mean? But like there's so much more uh, levels to it that are not taught or not experienced. Um, and, you know, like you could say by Sam, by today's generation, because Sam would be like, you know, our your age or so, you know what I mean? Like that's our generation. He doesn't have the understanding of this old timers generation of what actually was taking place. And we're back from the commercial break. All right. So we're talking about, uh, we had some technical difficulties. Um, he sent down here with, uh, Isaiah Bradley, the old, uh, so in the comics, Isaiah Bradley was captain America for, uh, for some time. Was it like a current uh, timeline or was it like flashback like the, the, this when he was Captain America while Steve Rogers was on ice and then Steve Rogers came back and took back Captain America or was he Captain America, Steve Rogers is done or dead for now? Uh, it's pre-current era. So, I mean, I don't know the exact time frame, but okay. probably uh, right after World War II when Steve was on ice. Okay, so so okay, so they they kind of follow that. All right, so then um, you know, he's talking to Sam, and like we said, the Federals were uh, listening to us because they didn't like us going so deep into uh, real life here. And um, you know, he said this part here. You know, no self-respecting black man would ever want to be Captain America, right? Uh, when you saw that, were you kind of nodding, you know, north south on that, or, or you know, how that hit you? Growing up, you know, again, you said Captain America wasn't like the biggest uh, hero character either. But like how so like putting those together, like in the comics, did you ever think about that as a kid, like growing up reading the comics and versus now as your, you know, 40 years of life experience service and now watching this? How how's that hit? Well, uh you know, when Captain America first came out, there were, uh, you know, there were superheroes, but, you know, this is kind of like doing the World War uh, Two times. So most of the, the superheroes that were out were patriotic, right? So there's a, even a famous, uh, you know, cover of a comic book where Captain America is punching a Nazi or punching Hitler, I should say. Yeah. So basically all the superheroes kind of had the same theme, right? So, again, this is before my time. You know, as a little kid, you don't know what you don't know. It just he just wasn't my jam, right? I was an ex, but you know, you grow up and you learn stuff. And uh, this is bringing back, you know, again to me. You know, I kind of grew up in the utopia that was uh, L.A. You know, throughout the world, people think Hollywood, L.A. You know, this bastion of uh, liberty and equality and all this other stuff, but. You know, majority of black people in Los Angeles or California or even the West Coast, you know, migrated from the South. So mm-hmm. all of us have roots in the South. And, uh, you know, like personally for me, I'm I'm just really a generation away from like the really bad shit. Like my father is from Mississippi yeah. and grew up in uh, pre-civil rights Mississippi. 
So the stories he would tell me about the shit that he saw, you know, growing up was just like I couldn't even like I couldn't relate to it. Just it just wasn't my existence. But it was yeah. just so fucked up that you know it just blew my mind. Yeah. So you know, seeing this, you know, kind of brought me back to some of the discussions I had with my father and you know my grandparents about stuff and you know the, kind of the struggle that I had when I decided to join, you know, the Navy, like, you know, how do I reconcile that? Yeah. So, yeah, you know, um, it's just real. Like I say, you're just a a generation away. And then, you know, I thought the transition in this was, um, was good or, or kind of like you just said, right. They go from him talking to Isaiah Bradley and having that deep ass conversation about everything that that Sam didn't know was happening and, and took place right well before his time, that generation before, and then he goes, he calls his sister and he he goes back home, and then you flip to the ne- so he's trying to deal things with his sister and get everything right with that you know storyline of it, but also I think something that's glanced over is like you see that next generation too, her her his nephews, his two kids or her two kids, right. And you can see, like, there's that that next generation where they're just going off to school. You know what I mean? It's kind of like you said, like, um, they they don't really know what's going on. You know, I'm sure they do, but it's not affecting them in, in the sense of the show. Like, it just affected uh, their mother, who, you know, was being uh, refused at the bank, and their uncle, who's learning all this stuff that they don't have any idea about. They're just, you know, backpacks on going to school. I think that shows a lot. Like when you say, you know, generation to generation, when you're growing up, you didn't know what you didn't know. And you had to learn it from, you know, grandparents and and your father and through stories and stuff. And it just seems, and in Sam's case, when you're hearing it, it seems like what? Like that, like one is disgusting, you know, and then two is just like it seems like a world so far away, but it was only like that one generation, ten, fifteen, twenty years. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, you know your car can uh, can get pulled at any time. I mean, you know, a yeah. lot of people have uh, quote unquote made it, become rich and famous, and think they're this, that, or whatever. And then uh, you know, one incident happens, and they realize that. <laughs> this stuff matters you're still yeah you know a minority and yeah merry christmas so you know yeah. perfect example recently again without getting super political look at that uh that army officer that you know got stopped i mean he's in uniform right yeah and you know it got real real quick for him yeah. you know so again kind of like the show how do you like function in that world where you're basically to most people, a superhero being in the military, right? Mm-hmm. And then just, you know, stuff like this happens. So, yeah, I mean, this is some deep stuff, but again, I don't think you could gloss over it. Plus, it's just such a rich storyline and background to delve into for these characters. And yeah. kind of like, you know, in the bigger picture, you know, a lot of people will try to dismiss comic book movies and Marvel in general. Just saying, oh, it's just a lot of bang, pow, explosions. But there's no way you can watch this this series in WandaVision and say that's just that's just all it is. Yeah. Right. Because, yeah. you know, just like with comics, comics are just an umbrella term. And 
you know, within comics, you can explore almost any subject or topic you want. And that's why, you know, there's such appeal because within that medium, you can just do whatever you want to do from, you know, capes and uh, superpowers to, you know, stuff like this or whatever. So, you know, I don't see the end of the comic book uh, boom anytime soon, as long as they keep, you know, putting out stuff like this to kind of balance out the bang pal stuff, Yeah, you know, which is good. No. Yeah. That's uh that's right on. Um, you know, th- we get into like this more feel good stuff here, wh- which was nice because it kind of lightens it up from where we came from. You know, the, the nice little exchange from Bucky and the sister, uh, Bucky looking like a man of culture, you know, <laughs> out here starting the the series off at the, was at the, uh, like the sushi bar or whatever. And then down South, you know, uh, getting with Sam and his family working on the boat and, uh, you know, B- Bucky really, uh, become a good character here and, and, taking his uh his talent to to next levels and and that character which is good um and sam well, you know so he's kind of touch on yeah not to cut you off it's kind of touching that again i mean when you first meet bucky in uh winter soldier or actually it's probably uh first avenger yeah he uh you know he's a ladies man yeah right? yeah he shows he's up the one that gets all the girls yeah yep so yep. it's kind of funny to show Still him being it. awkward and, and out of time yeah, with the uh, the Asian woman. I mean, back in the day, he probably wouldn't have even talked to her. Number one, just just that's just how society was. Yeah, and then two, you know, now I mean, I don't think he's trying to get the draws on his Sam's sister, but you know, a little flirt or whatever. So getting know, back into his he's, normal self, right? Yeah, and that kind of shows you that he's making progress. Like he's actually smiling because you know, throughout a lot of the mm. series, he doesn't even smile. Yeah. If you picked up that little detail. Yeah. Uh, You know, but then just think about Bucky and Sam, how they were introduced. We kind of didn't really have any background on them and didn't really know who they were. And, you know, a lot of people didn't really care about them. But through this show, I mean, look, and, you know, over time, the movies, just look how much character development has happened for those two characters. And they were like side characters for you know, the most part. Yeah. So again, you know, Marvel, you know, they kind of knocking it out of the park on that. Yeah. You know, something else. So now we get this scene with John Walker with his uh, buddy Lamar's family. And I, I, you know, since I've been watching this, I always thought, um, isn't this like uh, atypical of the government or, or you could say, you, you know, this isn't political, but like, oh, here's Captain America, right? We're going to re- reinvent Steve Rogers, blonde hair, blue eye guy. And then, oh, well, we're going to give him another black sidekick, just like Captain America had Sam Wilson. But that was like a natural occurring thing. And you could say, well, these two were also, you know, friends. They, they were, you know, they fought together in the wars and stuff. But it just seemed like that. It was like the other side of the coin, right? Where it's like, where one can be natural, Steve Rogers and Sam, and it's not forced. The other one is kind of like, hey, let's put these two together because it'll be the same, the same thing, right? We'll just show everyone that they could be friends, kind of deal. I don't know. It just it kind of struck with me of like, oh, here we go, fucking go again, right? Even though there's the background of them as they showed like serving together and all that, it's just it seems like the forced, uh, the forced hand there. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it was, I mean, it could be, but I don't know if it necessarily was, 
them trying to give him a quote unquote black sidekick. I mean, as we saw in First Avenger, you know, Bucky was, you know, basically Captain America's sidekick. Right. right. Yeah. So I think maybe it was more just they wanted to give him a partner and those two had a history together. Because as you see through this moment that, you know, they they were tight before the whole Captain America thing. So yeah. it's not like they were just forced together. Right. You know, Sam and Cap weren't forced together. That kind of just, just you happened. know happened organically, yeah. right? Yeah. So I mean, I, I mean, you know, the uh the cynic could I guess say that that's what they did, but I, I don't necessarily see the evidence of that in the show. Okay. But, you know, him going to actually do that with uh Battlestar's parents. I mean, yeah, he lied to them. But then again, you know, you look at all the, you know, the form letters that were sent to families, you know, World War II, Korea, Vietnam. I mean, oh, your son died heroically. No, he died in a ditch somewhere from friendly fire. I mean, is that really yeah. what they're going to say? Probably yeah. not. So, I mean. Yeah, you don't even have to go that far back. You go back in Afghanistan when uh, Pat Tillman was killed by a uh, really friendly fire, right? The NFL player who went yeah. army ranger and stuff like it, w- initial reports died heroically, you know, on the battle. Da, 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 and then more reports and, and investigations. Oh, actually, um, yeah, we kind of fucked shit up and, and lied the first time. So yeah, definitely uh, kind of nothing new there. Right. Sad, but so, you know, reality, you know, kind of, kind of again, in a vacuum, was that necessarily bad for for John to do? I guess no, but it just, you know, the trajectory that he's on, it just kind of fit that narrative of him being a, a dick or whatever. But, yeah. I mean, he was trying to do them a service and give them closure. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess it depends on, you know, how you how someone would handle that, you know, themselves. But, you know. Yeah. We're jumping forward and here, uh, you know, Bucky, like you said, smiling, getting back to form, the little side eye by Sam. <laughs> I thought that was very funny. He's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> you don't, you know, don't be telling my sister good morning like that. And we go on and on. Uh, How do you like this little training montage part? I, I mean, I, I, who doesn't love a good training montage? You know, a little eye of the tiger coming on, watching uh, Sam get ready to do whatever he's about to do. You know what I mean? It was cool. I mean, yeah. obviously, you have to train. I mean, duh. Plus, you know, Sam without the super soldier serum, I'm stuttering here a little bit. He's not as powerful as, you know, a Bucky or a John or a Cap. So that shield probably has some weight, probably damn near a good 40 to 60 pounds at least. So, you know, throwing it with enough velocity and all that stuff, that's going to be tough for him to like. It's a, it's a rough job for him to do. Yeah. So, you know, and then having to ricochet off stuff and, I mean, you know, you got to train. Plus, it gives them kind of another time to talk about stuff, what have you. So, I mean, you can get super symbolic about it, about, you know, Bucky throwing the shield and going to, to Sam and all this other stuff. But it gives them a, it's a good talking time. Yeah, I, I liked it. Uh, you know, it's it's funny you mentioned, like, the shield weighing 40, 60 pounds, something like that. I wasn't thinking it weighed that much at all. Being that's like vibranium, and maybe I just don't know vibranium that well, you know, in the comic background of it. Um, but I was thinking like it probably it's like something like titanium, right? Where it's it's super durable, uh, 
you know, the best metal out there, but also very lightweight. So I was thinking like, oh man, yeah, it's probably throwing like 20, maybe 30 pounds. And yeah, I mean, around, I'm not you know? a metallurgist, but I yeah. mean, it, yeah, just try and take your, uh, you know, lid off uh, your aluminum trash can. Yeah. And throw that around. Still, yeah. it's not going to be that easy. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's just I, I think it's cool, uh, you know, think how people think about comic stuff in, in their own ways and and things like that. You know, then we got him here. Uh, wasn't Sam Wilson in one of the? Um, no, no, that was someone else. Never mind. I was like, was he in one of the movies, the dancing movies? Here, here we got George St. Pierre returning. From I mean, he that. was in Eight Mile. So, was he? Oh, yeah. Well, no, I was thinking one of the other ones. Um, yeah, he was a uh, Clarence with real good parents. <laughs> yeah and then uh we got flag smashers showing up and hey this is good man we're just kind of wrapping it up here you know we got this uh resettlement stuff happening and all that and you know I- i'm interested to see where that because I-, I don't see them being able to reconcile everything in one more episode well, before you move on though you know again <clears throat> they took kind of a almost F-less character and kind of made them relevant for today. But, you know, it's a kind of commentary on terrorism, right? Like, the old model of having an an identifiable enemy, like, yeah. during the Cold War, it was Russia. World War II, it was the Axis powers. Like, we knew who people were, right? Yeah. And now today, you know, your enemy can be one person, you know, in a basement in Bismarck, North Dakota. You don't know who the hell these people are and press a button and, <laughs> or, you know, strap a bomb through their chest and kill a bunch of people. So that kind of showed, like, through this whole little, I guess, scene here that they can be anywhere, anybody at any time. Yeah. So how do you fight that? So really what you're saying is you're fighting an ideology, which kind of mirrors what we're doing with, you know, extremists of all, you know, makes, whether yeah. they're, you know, it's, radical islam or you know, white supremacy you know here in america so i thought it was a good little homage to that no you, you're you're exactly right with that and um it's hard to kill an ideology right that idea you can't you can't you can't really kill it all together right there's always going to be someone you know taking it up or or wanting to implement it their way or something so it makes it tough to to win that war um on on those other people's ideas you know and as you like said even here i think you know this is that part where it's like where where you said when when they when everyone stood up in the park right hit the button everyone gets activated everyone's in the park everyone stands up and they all look different but they all have that same idea you know um that that could be said all around uh you don't even have to go internationally you just say here domestically there's a lot of people with a yeah, lot I mean, of different ideas. We're six. Yes. I mean, <laughs> like, yeah. Know, yeah. And it's not like it's a political like episode, a but yes. Yeah. I've been thinking about it. A lot of people don't like a lot of things, but how many people actually go through with actions right. like that? So these people were pulled from regular you know, society, wherever, and now they're actually acting on these ideas and beliefs. And that's kind of like the crux of radicalization. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, you know, that Carly didn't go talk to each one of them. 
but yeah. their idea was probably disseminated through like the internet or whatever, you know. So it's it's the same thing as commentary on that radicalization. So yeah, it's exactly that because you know back in episode one, it's Torres who's like, yeah, they do it through this app and through these message boards, and you just kind of follow it. And when 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 you get the notification to fucking you know jump out the window, everyone starts jumping out of windows and doing this and that. And you see him because he does it right. And it's like, whoa, like that's exactly what's happening. It, it's a it's a message board. It's a, you know, Facebook page to this or that. And, you know, motherfuckers get uh, indoctrinated and start believing everything and let people do the thinking for them. And and, and there they go. Now you have flag smashers. And then, you know, that takes us to the uh, final um, halfway reveal of. Sam finally opened the box that Bucky gave him from Wakanda. So I guess the question is, is it a shield? Uh, I mean, it's probably a new outfit, probably a Captain America like outfit. Yeah. And they probably redid his wings. I mean, so that, I mean, that's what I would assume. I don't know. So do you, do you think it's like a new Sam Wilson, Captain America, uh, wingsuit thing or like a new Falcon? No, it's probably a Captain America yeah. kind of wingsuit. Yeah. Because that's what he did in the comics. Like, he okay. altered his suit to kind of be both be Captain America-ish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, that's what I, that's what I thought because it seems small for a shield. Um, well, he but, already has the shield, so they, they don't need to send him another one. He, he's taking it, basically. So, I, I thought they'd redo it. So you think it's going to be like a new suit, but with the same shield? Yeah, because you remember he left his old suit with Torres because the wings were ripped off. Yeah. So Torres basically has that okay. costume. So, you know, recreating the wings would be nothing for Wakanda. So, yeah, yeah I mean, they can make it look however they want it to look, but it's probably going to be some kind of stars and stripes motif, whatever. I mean, you can look up what it looked like in the comics. So I assume it's probably going to look something like that. Yeah. Okay. All right. And that takes us to the end of the episode, man. And, you know, they roll credits and now we're looking forward to episode six. And well, actually, are are you going to cover the scene? The which one? Are you going to cover the, uh, the end credit scene? Oh, was there an end credit scene? Yeah. These credits are so uh, fucking long. I can, I'd be like just skipping through them, honestly. With your boy John Walker. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's uh, I I missed that last time. I, I saw it on a uh, recap video here. Wait, is it? Yeah, this one, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here, uh, John Walker, hammering, grinding, welding. Uh, his own shield, right? He got his Medal of mm-hmm. Honor. One of his Medal of Honor, uh, oh, wow, he cannot weld. This guy cannot weld. I can't weld, but I'm sure I could do a better job than that. And so he's making his own shield here, people. Spoiler alert, he's not done. So who who, who is John Walker now? Uh, I mean, in the comic books, he becomes U.S. agent and then kind of Takes a couple other names over time, but he's back to being U.S. agent now. So, and is is he U.S. agent? Because I've I've read and been watching and reading about it a little bit, but like, is he a bad guy or is he a good guy or is he like a uh, do his own fucking thing guy? 
Well, I mean, again, in a vacuum, he's not a bad guy. He just uh, kind of goes about things his own way. So he's kind of more of a great character. Like, as you see, he's not opposed to killing people. So yeah. that's obviously something that most superheroes don't do. So, I mean, you know, in the comics, you know, if the Earth is getting invaded, he's going to, you know, <laughs> fight. So, you know. Well, I guess, like, is he is he fighting villains? Or is he like like what what's his thing like is is he an agent agent patriot was it agent America agent patriot patriot agent for America doing you know the work of the country or is he just like on his own plan whoever he thinks is the is the villain he's taken out? Well, he still kind of is like hyper American, but okay. like in the there's a current run that's out now that he's kind of traveling the country. Kind of quote unquote taking out bad guys. Okay. I mean these these people aren't necessarily good characters, but again, he still has his hyper American beliefs and all this other stuff. Right. But there's no way in hell he's ever becoming an, an Avenger. So right. you know what I mean? It's just yeah. he's okay. just kind of doing his own program right now. So. Yeah. So um, season two definitely gonna be dropping. They got a lot to work with. Um, man, this is gonna be good. I think Falcon Winter Soldier is uh is crushing it. Yeah, uh, I mean, <clears throat> we obviously don't know what's going to happen in the in the finale, but yeah, again, you know, I think they, you know, Marvel's delivered a satisfying series while also opening doors, you know, to other things. So, yeah, I mean, kind of like the comic is what you do. Yeah. All right, James, thanks for uh, stopping by the studio again and, um, you know, uh, wrapping this stuff up. And, yeah, we'll see you uh, next Sunday about that other podcast you wanted to do i got that uh i got that sorted out so uh we'll be in touch want all of the smoke (laughs) i appreciate it bro thanks for more information on how you can support the podcast please visit anchor.fm backslash podcast the information, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely of Joshua Moore and the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent the DOD, DON, or those of the respected institutions or organizations. Thanks for joining us.